Amen. Well, what an exciting day it's been already in the church. What a great time that we can have together and believing that God is going to do great things in the life of this church. And as you can see on the screen behind me, not on the board behind me, as I said this morning, as you can see on the screen behind me, it is indeed Vision Sunday. And it was a joy this morning to share the vision that God has laid on my heart for the life of this church. And you know, if you weren't here this morning, then I'm sure on the foyer on your way in, you were given our the small card which says Vision Sunday, and on the back is our brand new mission statement as a church. That is our heart as a church. That is our mission, is to know Jesus and to make him known. To know him intimately and personally, to have a living relationship with him. But also then into that mission is then to make him known in our community, make him known in our homes, make him known in our workplaces. That is what, what we long to see, to see Abraham and Saved. Abadeh saved, the Cannon Valley saved, Merthyr saved. We long to see Wales saved for Jesus Christ. And then also this morning I shared the vision that God has laid on my heart, what we are believing for, the church that we see, that we see God doing incredible and mighty things and the promise of God being fulfilled. So take one of those on your way out if you haven't already this evening. And tonight I want to just share with you how we can effectively do that. How we can see, know Jesus personally and how we can effectively make him known in our community. And it says, Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. I brought this this morning for the Great Commission. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That was Jesus' heart for his people, for his churches, to go and make him known, to preach the gospel, to see disciples made. But then Jesus says something incredible there. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, when Jesus rose again from the dead and when he ascended into heaven, he didn't leave us on our own to try and work out what we were supposed to do. He didn't leave his church or his people on their, their own. But instead, he sent the Holy Spirit. He sent the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, to come and to work in the life of believers, to help us live out this plan and purpose that God has for our lives, to help us work out and to serve him more effectively. And tonight, like I said, I want to share with you how I believe we can effectively make this mission known and how we can see the vision outworked in our church. And the title of the message tonight is, are we an Acts 19 church? And if you have your Bibles, can you first of all turn to Acts chapter 18? Acts chapter 18. And we're going to read from verse 18 to 28. Acts chapter 18, verse 18 to 28. And it says, Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off because of a vow he had taken. They arrived at Ephesus, where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to spend some time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. Then he set, for, uh, then he set sail from Ephesus. When he landed at Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. 
After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Figueroa, strengthening all the disciples. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only of the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. You know, Acts 18 is, has an interesting perspective on the church in this extremely difficult city called Ephesus. The first church that started there was started by a man named Apollos. He was the pastor of this church, as we read in verse 24 to 28. He was a native of Alexandria, and he came and he planted this church there. And Apollos, he would be the pastor that any church would want. He was almost like the dream pastor that every church would want to have. The Bible says there, as we read in Acts chapter 18, that he was mighty in the Scriptures. He knew the Word of God, and he taught accurately. But not only that, he was fervent in spirit. He was passionate about God as well. And he was the pastor that everybody would want to go and listen to. He was almost like the pastor of their day who you want to download their podcast and listen to their podcast over and over again. He knew the Word of God inside out, and he was passionate as well. And you know, those two things usually don't go together, to be educated and to be passionate as well. Many people who are educated are oftentimes dry. But then sometimes those who are passionate are often uneducated. But to see these two things coming together is almost like a church's dream. This was an absolute dream. A man who knew the Word of God and who was passionate about the Word of God. A Bible scholar who was on fire for Jesus. I'm sure that is the dream for every church. And I'm sure it is the dream for this church as well. But then something happens. Something incredible happens. An older couple slips into the service while Apollos is teaching. I'm sure he's passionate. He's passionately preaching in the synagogue. And then all of a sudden, a couple slip into the service and they listen to him preach. And this couple's name is Aquila and Priscilla. And I, I had the honor and privilege of preaching about Priscilla and Aquila in Sam and Ellen's wedding. And we see this couple. They were an incredible couple. They would open up their homes wherever they would go to, for the church to meet, to gather together. They were an incredible couple. They were an, an inspiration and a marriage that was truly on mission for Jesus Christ. They were an incredible couple, these, this couple. And now they slip in to the service. And the Bible says that they begin to teach Apollos more adequately. Now this guy, he knew the Bible, he knew the scriptures, he knew all these different things. But this older couple come along and they begin to teach him more adequately after the service. They take him to the home. And what's even more incredible about this guy is not only is he educated, not only is he fervent and passionate about God, but he's also teachable. He has a teachable spirit. He's ready to learn. He's ready to grow. He doesn't profess that he knows everything, but he's ready to, do, know, uh, to learn more about God, to develop more in the plans and purpose of God. He's ready to develop in the gift that God has given him. And Priscilla and Aquila, they begin to speak to him. 
But whatever they said to him, Apollos then, he decides to leave the church and go to another city to go and be a part of another church, to do another great work in another church. And whatever was said to him was enough to move him from the pulpit, to go and preach somewhere else, to be a pastor somewhere else. And it's interesting because Apollos, he was ministering, he was preaching in a very difficult city at that time, Ephesus, this city called Ephesus. And it was a city where Paul, the Apostle Paul, it was the city where he stayed the longest on his missionary journeys. Ephesus, it was the marketplace of the world. It was almost like the Los Angeles or the New York or the London of its time. It was the marketplace of the world. If you wanted to go shopping, then Ephesus was the place to go. If you wanted the latest brands at that time, then Ephesus was the place that you would want to go to to do all your shopping. The richest people in the world, they would want to come here. They would want to gather together in Ephesus. And it was also the location where they held the Panionium Games, which is almost like the Olympics of today. It was where all the world's athletes, the greatest athletes at that time, would gather together and come to Ephesus one time of that year to participate in the Games. So this city was an influential city. It was a place where the rich would go, where the shoppers would want to go, and also the athletes would want to go. But also, as, you, as we begin to study and as you begin to look at the city of Ephesus, it was also a place where the worst criminals in the world would also congregate. They'd want to be at Ephesus. Because at Ephesus, there was a temple. And this temple was called the Temple of Diana. And it was like an asylum where all the criminals would get together. Not only that, Ephesus, it was considered the superstition capital of the world. So these people in Ephesus, they would sell these things called, mag they would sell magic charms and lucky charms. And these things were called the Ephesian letters. So if you had these letters, people would buy these letters and think that if I had these, the, uh, an Ephesian letter, then my business would be lucky and my business would grow. Or I'd find the right person that I'd want to marry. If you had a letter, then they considered it to be a lucky thing to have. And they would all, all these different types of people would gather around this temple of Diana. And the temple of Diana, it had about 127 pillars, commentary says. And it would showcase the awful worship of this, of this false god called Diana. And it was a statue, it was a hideous looking statue. It was half woman and half beast. And all these sorts of things were happening at this temple. The worship of Diana was happening there. In this city, in this incredible influential city. It was a terrible city. And not only that, it was the place where the harlots would meet together at this place of worship, where the temple prostitutes would gather together. So this gives us an idea of the type of city that Apollos was trying to reach, the type of city that Apollos was pastoring in. I'm sure that we would say, Abraham is nothing like that tonight. We're thankful that we're not in that place. But you know, the reality is, as we look out in our community tonight, a lot of that thing, those things are happening. Our world is turning into a darker and darker place. There are things happening in our world, much like was happening in Ephesus. It was a very difficult city. But then something incredible happens. And we can look at that as we turn over the page. As we turn to, Ephesians, as we turn to Acts chapter 19, sorry. Acts chapter 19. Something incredible happens as Paul comes in. It says in verse 1, While Apollos was at Corinth... Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, 
We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Pastor Apollos, he goes, he goes, to, he goes off to Corinth, and then all of a sudden, the Apostle Paul, he comes into Ephesus. He comes to help Ephesus, and he starts speaking to some of the disciples there. And what happens in the next 19 verses is absolutely incredible. What God begins to do in that city is absolutely outstanding. We have the same city, exactly the same city, a terrible city with all this sin happening, with all these horrible things happening, but now something different's happened. There's a new pastor in town. There's something different that is happening in this city. We read about it in these next 19 verses. We read of ongoing miracles, miracles happening. We read of people who are, who are, who are possessed by demons being set free. We hear of people being saved. We hear of the fear of, of the Lord in the city. God doing incredible and mighty things in this city. And Paul, he comes in and he meets some of these disciples. And the first thing he asks them is, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? And they tell him, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. And we read it there, verse 2 to 7. They answered, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And they were about 12 men in all. How incredible. These 12 guys, these disciples, not only were they baptized in the baptism of John, the baptism of repentance, but that day they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. It then goes on to say in verse 11 to 12, God did extraordinary things, extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had been touched by him were taken to the sick and the illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. So Paul was praying over handkerchiefs and people were getting these handkerchiefs, taking them to their family members who were sick, their friends who were sick, and the people would touch these handkerchiefs and they would be healed. What an incredible thing God was doing in that city. Further things happened, verse 14 to 16. Seven sons of Sceva, I'm sure some of you know this story. A Jewish chief priest were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and, and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. We see there the evil spirits, they said, Jesus I know. A Paul, I know, but who are you? And the fear of the Lord came over the city. And then we read in verse 17 to 20. When this became known, the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their skulls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 15,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. So people who were involved in the occult and all these different things in, and all these Ouija boards and all these sort of stuff, they would bring them. And as Jesus was ministering, as God was doing mighty things, they would bring these things. They would get rid of them and they would burn them. And what is incredible here, verse 20, in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. 
What an incredible turnaround in that city. What a massive turnaround happened in that city. Think about just what happened. Under Pastor Apollos, we have a good Bible study. But Ephesus is exactly the same. Ephesus carries on as it was, still worshiping Diana. But then all of a sudden, Paul comes to Ephesus and everything changes. The city is seeing miracles. Demoniacs are being set free. So we've got Ephesus under Apollos and Ephesus under Paul. So what is the difference between these? Because they're both human. There is nothing different between them in the natural. These were both incredible witnesses for Jesus Christ. They were both equal in God's sight. God loved them exactly the same. But what was the difference between the two? Well, the difference and the key between Apollos and Paul was the work of the Holy Spirit. That was the complete difference between the both of them. And that is the key. Apollos was baptizing in the baptism of John, in the baptism of repentance, but no one was touched by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit wasn't coming inside of them and working on the inside of them. They weren't being used by the power of the Holy Spirit. They were still moving in the natural. It wasn't even on the radar for these people, for these guys here. So what happens when we don't have a church that is controlled by the Holy Spirit is that we have a church that is in a village or in our town, but it remains exactly the same. Nothing happens in that town. Nothing happens in that city. We can have great services, but is Abraham being touched? Is Aberdeen being touched? touched? Is Wales being touched? Are the cities in our country being touched? It's great to have great services. It's great to have the Holy Spirit and have great feelings. But is our city being transformed? Is our communities being transformed? Is our workplaces being transformed by the power of God? You know, we could meet and we could pray every night, but is our nation being affected? Is our town being affected? Is your home being affected by the power of God? Is your school being affected? When Paul comes to the exact same place, all of a sudden the city has changed. The city is transformed. Not only is the church transformed, but the city is transformed. And what we need, I believe, in this time, in this generation, and on this Vision Sunday, what we need is not another church service, but what we need is to see men and women, boys and girls, who are mightily filled with the Holy Spirit, who are being used by the Spirit to take, see our community transformed for God. That is what we need in our time and service. Men and women, boys and girls that are Spirit-filled, being used by God. That is how we're going to see Abraham transformed. That is how we're going to see Abaday transformed. That's how you're going to see your loved ones saved. That's how you're going to see your work colleagues saved, your school saved, your university saved. It is not by might. It is not by power. But it is by my spirit in and through the people of God. The key to see in our nation saved is a church that is surrendered to the working of the Holy Spirit. A church that is so filled with the Holy Spirit that is seeing God move in in incredible and mighty ways. You know, we can be like Apollos and know every Greek word. We can know every Hebrew word. But still our nation and our communities might remain the same. But the key to seeing our town saved is being spirit-filled. is having men and women who are filled with the Holy Spirit. That is the key difference to, if we want to see Abraham and saved. And so on this Vision Sunday, you know, our name, our former name was Abraham and Pentecostal Church. We were Pentecostal by name. The first, this church began by a group of believers up in Guau, just up the road, who got mightily filled with the Holy Spirit, who began speaking in tongues, and came and were kicked out of their church for that reason. But then they planted this church, and God did incredible things. 
And you know, if we are to see our nation transformed, if we are to see Abraham transformed, then it is only going to be through the power of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit in and through our lives. And my prayer on this Vision Sunday is that our church wouldn't be Pentecostal by name or by denomination, but it would be Pentecostal because each and every one of us are filled with the Holy Spirit and we're being used by the Holy Spirit for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. That is my prayer. And so let me end with this this evening. Paul comes in, he does incredible mighty things through the power of the Spirit. Demons are are being uh, kicked out of people. We see in the word of the Lord spreading widely, God doing mighty things. But then Paul, he writes to the church in Ephesus. And it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, and this was his encouragement to the church. Ephesians 5, 18. He says, we know this passage, we all know this passage. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. That was his prayer for the Ephesian church. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know there, as we've been reminded by Pastor Hobbs so many times, it is not just to have one experience where we're filled with the Holy Spirit, but it's to keep being filled every single day of our lives. He was encouraging them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now let's take this contextually this evening. Look what comes after that admonition. Look what comes after that. After he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Wives, Submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. You can keep looking then right through to Ephesians chapter 6. Fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. Children, obey your parents. Paul goes on even further and says, employees to work, uh, to bring glory and honor to God. Work as if you're working for the Lord Jesus Christ. What is incredible here is that when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, it begins to translate into every aspect of our lives. The Holy Spirit is not just so we can be filled on a Sunday and keep it in the church building. But the Lord longs to fill us with His Spirit so that it can translate into every single aspect of our lives, into every single area of our lives. If you want to love your wife this evening, then you need the power of the Holy Spirit. If you want to love your husband this evening, then you need the Holy Spirit's help. If you want to love and obey your parents tonight, then you need the help of the Holy Spirit. If you want to see your workplace transformed and honor your your employees, then you need the help of the Holy Spirit. You know, Spirit-filled isn't just about speaking in tongues. But the Holy Spirit comes along to help us speak in English first. To help us minister to one another. To love one another. It's no good being able to speak in tongues in church if you can't speak tidily to your family or your loved ones on the way to church. We need the Holy Spirit to translate into every avenue of our life, every area of our lives. We need Him to fill every area of our lives. And as we are filled with His Spirit, it is to overflow. And it'll overflow wherever we are, in our families, our homes, and into our community as well. We need to be filled with His Spirit. So the bridge from Acts chapter 18 to Acts chapter 19 is purely the work of the Holy Spirit. Letting God's Holy Spirit literally take over our lives. You know, there's a song we used to sing, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. But then there was a modern vision that said, blow through the caverns of my soul. Pour in me to overflow. And that is what we long to do, is for the Lord to blow into every area of our lives, for the Holy Spirit to come and fill every area of our lives. Not just us when we come to church on a Sunday, but every area. Pour in me to overflow. 
that we might overflow into our homes, our communities, our workplaces, wherever God has placed us. And my prayer on this Vision Sunday is that we would be a true Pentecostal church. And not just the name on the front of the building, but the people, the church, the bride of Christ. We would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Shall we just pray? And tonight, I want to give an opportunity. And the opportunity this evening is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. At the start of this new time in our church, this new chapter in our church's history, I believe powerfully that if we're going to see our church, if we're going to see God do great things, if we're going to see our community transformed, then it is going to be through the Holy Spirit filling our lives and coming into every area of our lives. And so this evening, maybe you've come here and you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. Then in a moment, I'd like to pray with you. Maybe tonight you've come and you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you were filled with the Holy Spirit this morning. Then tonight, I'd love to pray with you that you might be refilled with the Holy Spirit, that you might know His presence and power. So tonight, what I'd like to do, I'd like to ask, if you would like to be filled with the Spirit, I encourage each and every one of you this evening to come forward, but if you'd like to be filled with the Spirit, maybe you've been filled before, maybe you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit tonight, but you've heard about Him and you long and you realize you need Him, then I encourage you right now just to come to the front. And we stand together at the front. Join me because I long for the Lord to fill me anew. Join me this evening. And may we all come to the front. And I'd like to lay hands on you this evening that you might receive the Holy Spirit so that you might see your home transformed, your workplace transformed, your community transformed. So if you'd like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then I encourage you just to come forward now and I'll just pray with you. Is there anyone here this evening? Amen. Oh, no.